tonight's episode of Board Chitless is sponsored by The Game Steward. The Game Steward is an online game store offering Kickstarter board games out of print and imported games at reasonable prices. It's time to play. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Board Chitless. I'm Lecky, and this week we're joined by... Tristan! And people may or may not know that this week Tristan was inducted to the Board Game Geek One Player Guild Hall of Fame. Oh, I see you doing this again. <laughs> You're making me blush. Party up in here. <laughs> that was uh, pretty exciting, but he also won an award for Best Solitaire Game of the Year from the One Player Guild as well. That was amazing. And if that wasn't enough, Lifeform funded well over the target, and they unlocked pretty much all the stretch goals by one. That's amazing. He's even celebrating with a Long Island iced tea. What a ledge. Well done, Tristan. That's an absolutely phenomenal week of achievement. Oh, mate, thank you. Thank you so much, but also thank you for the klaxons. Those are brilliant. Yeah, it's no problem. Now I've discovered it, we're going to have many more of these. All right, then. Well, um, this week we've also been playing Nations, so uh, let's get into that. So, Nations is a civilization building game for one to five players, and it was uh, created by, I'm going to say, Lotapellet Games. Have I got that correct? Lotapellet, yeah. Lotapellet, nice one. And um, there's quite a few designers on this one Ruston Harkinson, Nina Harkinson, Ina Rosen, and Robert Rosen. So, there's a, it's quite a big team on it, and essentially, it's a civilization builder where each player will pick a nation and then take turns uh, developing industries and trying to create wonders and generally progress their nation further along than the other players over the space of four ages. Eight ages, isn't it, I suppose, actually? It's, it's so, four, but each each age has two rounds, so yeah. I see, yeah. So it's like eight rounds of it. And um, as a game for of this type, it's, um, would you say it's like midweight? Um, it seemed quite complicated at times, but once you got the hang of it, then pretty straightforward. And there was not not too many moving pieces. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a diet version of Through the Ages, which is a much more complex Civ builder game. Um, yeah. But I would say there's still you know a fair deal of com- complexity in this, and there's at any given point there's a lot going on, there's a lot to sort of manage and juggle in your head. Um, yeah. But, with Through the Ages, um, the original game by Vlada Chavatel, it's a very sort of uh, long-term strategic game where you can have goals that arch over the entire six-hour session, whereas <laughs> Nations is very much just sort of tactically responding to what's coming out at you, what's available uh, in terms of technologies to buy and things like that. So it's yeah. very reactive to, to what's happening at the moment rather than um, following long-term strategies. So well, there's a little of both. But um, yeah, but no, uh, yeah, I would say it's it's semi complex, definitely for sure. Yeah, yeah, you can. Well, like you're saying, you can definitely like hunker down on a strategy and try and run that to the win, which is what I try to do basically by um, monopolizing books. Yeah, um, and it almost worked. It got me to second place, but um, probably because I wasn't doing enough um, secondary and tertiary sort of things to keep keep in it. They've managed to run away with the win. Yeah. Um, probably, but he did deserve it. He did quite a lot in that game. <laughs> well, he brutalised us in the very first year with an epic war. So I guess <laughs> to, to give it context, uh, with 
nations, you sort of you're juggling quite a lot of different resources, aren't you? You've got like your, yeah. your minerals, which you use to produce buildings and things. You've got gold, which you use to purchase new technologies, books, which are like your culture, food, you're balancing your military, your stability. And stability yeah. is like a separate track from military, which allows you to sort of um, reduce the negative effects of war and also keep your people happy. Um, so there's, there's yeah. quite a few different things. And also victory points, you win the game based on victory points. And workers, you have lots of um, workers that you have to balance and grow your civilization based on you know, the number of workers that you produce. So there is, yeah. there's a lot to sort of keep, you know, like, <laughs> wrap your head around <laughs> was, at any given point. And if you focus on only one of those, you're destined to failure, which is, um, yeah, <laughs> which is somewhere where that's, I ended up in this game, actually. <laughs> that's right. Like, like you say, it can, can be pretty unforgiving. Uh, they threw a war down in the first turn, so none of us really had the mics or the resources to really cope with it. And with the game, if you don't have resources to pay for it, and like, so like, there's a famine at the end of each round. Yeah. And if you don't have enough resources to pay for something, then it comes out of like your VP and yeah. then your, your score trackers. They'll take whatever so, you've got. Exactly, yeah. And it can be it can be really expensive to ignore any of those effects, which we found to our detriment. Yeah. I got him back later on, though, by throwing um, <laughs> something horribly nasty at him when I built one of my wonders and managed to like deplete everyone's gold. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, could, it did take us a little while to recover from that, but it was well played by him because he was the only player as well to increase his population on day one. Which, yeah. um, so at the end of each round, you've got little meeples at the bottom of your tracker and you can either take one off, which will in the long run cost you more. You'll need to put more resources into paying for them. Or you can take resources. We all took the resources, except Dave, who um, he took the gamble and pushed his population forward. But he kept doing it, and I think that gave him a strong advantage, really. Yeah, it's like most worker placement games. The more workers you have, the more you can do. And if you manage to swing that early, then it gives you a long-term advantage over the whole game, basically. Um, yeah. But going back to the wars, wars are quite cleverly handled in this. In Through the Ages, they're extremely punishing. You pick another player... You go to war with them, and if you've prepped well, you absolutely eviscerate them, possibly taking them out of a four- or five-hour game. Whereas in Nations, yeah. the war is sort of quite arbitrary. It means everybody's involved, and it's set at a level of strength that the person who buys the war, who you know, who kicks the war off, determines, and then yeah. everybody has the round to sort of reach up to that level of strength, like to, to bring that level of military might to the table yeah. and if they can't do that they suffer the, the punitive effects of that war um, but he managed to do that after everybody else had passed so nobody had the option or ability <laughs> to then bring yeah. any soldiers to that war so he just romped all over everybody and it did create a significant lead which if left unchecked which we did um, <laughs> can lead to sort of a runaway leader syndrome I think and, um, and that's one of the criticisms levelled at this game but actually one that I'm quite okay with, really, because, you know, we, I should have prepped for it as I've played this a lot of times. I know what's yeah. coming. I know what kind of a player Dave is and what an aggressive <laughs> player he is. Um, and so it's something that we should have, have prepped for. But there's so many other choices. When you're building your civilization, especially to start off with, you want yeah. to get your gold and your books and your rocks all coming in. So you want to set up a little bit of everything so that you're covered 
and you don't always yeah. anticipate that someone's going to mercilessly go to war in the first round of the game, like in, in antiquity. <laughs> so, so we could have all prepped for that and just bought soldiers just in case. And you can also, yeah. if you're in a weak position, you can be the first, like if you, if you're the weakest um, military strength in the game, you can buy that war early and stop anybody else from purchasing it. In which case you've almost re- like proactively prevented yourself from being punished by it just in case. But it's a huge resource investment to have to do that. So you have to juggle that with the idea of yeah. is somebody else going to go for it or not? Um, and yeah. we now know <laughs> moving forward, <laughs> somebody else definitely is going to go for that. That's it. It's, it's very, um, it's very clever um, mechanic though because it really simulates that, like um, you know, he who blinks first sort of like standoffishness when the wall comes out and you can, anyone can buy it from the marketplace but the second you buy it it goes into the slot and then that's when the power is set yeah so if you do it too soon everyone like you're saying is going to build up resources against it but if you do it too late someone one of the weaker players won't buy it from under you which is what happened to me later in the game um i was about i was literally about to buy the war and um kind of make like your life uncomfortable and then you bought it just before me and um completely negated it yeah so you did that quite quite a sh- you know, chivalrous player, you managed to do that a few times in a game. It's, um, it's something you have to be aware of. You see someone gearing up militarily, yeah. they, they can tip their hand, you know, that, oh, obviously, yes. there's a war out, he's just bought, like, the ability to create cannons or knights or whatever. <laughs> um, you've got to anticipate that then. Do you military up yourself and invest your resources in that, or do you buy yourself, like, a, a round of goodwill to yeah. sort of get that war in early and know that you're not going to suffer the effects of it? So I do, I really like that because in, in Through the Ages, it's incredibly punishing and it's incredibly aggressive. Like if you go to war with somebody, you're literally taking stuff off them. And if you've got um, enough of a military uh, advantage over them, you can wipe them out of the game. Whereas in Nations, you at the most, you're going to punish them, make them lose some victory points and that. But there is, yeah. there is the possibility that everybody's in the game all the way through unless you, you know, let someone get away <laughs> unchecked well, that's it. yeah well it never it never really felt like um dave was trouncing you know like really running away with the lead um in the first two rounds he did build up quite a few more resources than the rest of us and then they kind of got spent whereas he brought more um, industries in and then we kind of bolstered our own industries yeah and by the third age it really seemed like everyone was on a level playing field um with the exception maybe like jackie hadn't um Population. Yeah, she's not built up the population as much. Yeah. She seems to still be like, you know, she, her influence was still doing really well, though. Like, um, if you looked at the board away from her play mat, um, she seems to be coping with that really well. So I thought that was quite a valid tactic um, until the end when we realised that she didn't quite get as many VP as the rest of us. Yeah. Um, and again, the same with you. Um, it wasn't, well, it was tallied up everything at the end of the game. It didn't, you know, probably me and Dave were quite a bit ahead of you. Yeah, there was, a, there was a significant yeah. gap, I think, yeah. There was, yeah, but once we were playing, it never actually seemed like um, the gap was there, and I think you can really hone in on what's happening in the middle, in the central board, which tells how much influence you've got, how much might you've got, you know, military weight, and all this and that, but you kind of forget to look at other players' boards and see where they're actually at, Yeah, and like how many resources they're generating or where their population's at. Um, which can kind of give you a, almost like a bit of a false sense of um, equality, really, through yeah. the game. Yeah, um, um, but I think, the yeah, and 
from from turn to turn, the game gives you like it, it's easy to get distracted from like the global picture because you get caught up on what you're doing from moment to moment. And every yeah. it's one of those games that I really enjoy because every move that you make advances you and makes you feel like you're doing a cool thing. You know, you're upgrading your yeah. building or you're making your military tougher or you're building extra work workers or you're enlisting a new leader, colonizing a new island that's going to give you an ongoing bonus or building a wonder, you know, and doing all these great things that's that it, yeah. you constantly feel like you're succeeding. It, it doesn't, the, the gameplay can be punishing, you know, with, through wars and stuff and through the famine events yeah. and things like that. But from turn to turn, each thing that you do feels good it feels yeah i'm achieving you know and i love that in a game i love that yeah you know no matter how badly you're doing you feel <laughs> you feel like you're achieving with each move that you make and i think it handles really, that very well you really do and um, it, it doesn't, doesn't so go, go far it doesn't, doesn't go, go so far to coddle you though i mean i found it during game practically impossible to generate one of every resource yeah so you're constantly chasing gold or um Rocks. It can, it can, yeah, it can be a little confusing because like the rocks are literally just referred to as resources, aren't they? Yeah. But then you start calling them finance resources. So like, you know, it just it, it just reflects like oil or mine or wool or whatever you work on at the moment. Yeah. Um. But so you can get those quite easily. But then trying to build up influence and military might at the same time, it, it's almost seems really almost impossible. Then you got books as well. So you just need books in order to. Um, compete for a resource bonus at the end of each age for so victory do, points it is for so, points, and, that's, yeah. and that's what wins you the game and if you so if you fall behind on books every time there's a score at the uh, there's a scoring turn at the every at the end of every age and if you miss out on that it's putting you further and further behind and i think that's what i never really <laughs> and i've got no excuse i've played the game a ton of times but never got the books to sort of compete for points and if you don't compete yeah. for points you, and you leave it four ages worth of not being able to do that, you're not going to be able to get those points through all your other yeah. activities. So if you let books slide, your culture slide, then you know you, you are creating enormous problems for yourself at the back end. But it feels expensive. It feels like, oh, I could be going for books, but if I get rocks, I can build things right yeah. now. So you have to juggle that long-term balance of um, getting the victory points in and being able to upgrade your, your stuffs. That's it, yeah. The game's so well considered that building up books, which, you know, is like civilization gaining knowledge, feels like a waste of time. It's like, come on, mate. You need to be tilling the fields. You need to be learning how to use your sword and bow. Get, get out of it. But then if you let it, like, you know, if you just let that fester, then you're not, like you're saying, you're not going to score anything. Yeah, you just um, need to do absolutely everything all the time. All the time. Easily. Yeah, that's it's quite simple when you think of it that way. Um, but Dave... Um, well, he managed to take advantage as well of the Golden Age cards that came out in the marketplace. Yes. Which um, I didn't really consider until the last round. Um, but they seem like a really a really good boon because they come out and they'll, they'll cost you the same amount as gold as any of the other production facilities. But you've got a choice of taking, is it free resources? It, it's a couple um, of resources or you can spend, spend resources to get a victory point. Yeah. And, and that's crucial because they're so... There are actually quite very few ways to get victory points. So golden yeah. ages are a key one, but they, they feel like, oh, I've got to spend gold to get it. Then I've got to spend resources to turn it into a victory point. So it feels like a big investment. But one or two victory points or one or two golden ages like that can make all the difference in, in the, you know, the final score yeah. at the end of the game. Well, well hey, Dave, really, because um, I, was, I was pretty much in, in a diehard fashion pushing my book lead 
the whole way through the game. Yeah. And so that's what I really concentrated on. And they came second uh, most of the time. And then to close that gap, he was playing the Golden Ages. And because of the way that I was running my civilization, I never felt like I was resource rich. Yeah. So I'd never be able to, or I'd never want to throw them at the victory points, which looking back at it would probably, you know, it could have sealed the game for me. But it's it just goes to show like what the scope of the game is and how much flexibility there is in there to kind of keep, you know, turning and changing what's going down. Yeah. And um, I quite liked about the, the game as well that the production facilities that you've got, like the resource generating cards, um, you they, they always have really quite strange um, resource mixes on them. So it's like um, some of the granaries will give you some influence and then some wheat. But then a copy house will give you, you say two, two bucks and two wheat. wheat. So you're constantly trying to um, like replace military agendas with these new production facilities, and then trying to swing back to military again the next turn. Yeah, it's never clear cut, is it? What? What? Yeah. There's no. There's very rarely a direct upgrade. Like my temple produces one gold and one book. If I get, yeah. you know, the next thing up, it's going to be two gold and one book. It's usually yeah. the next thing up is going to be two gold and one rock or something, you know, which means yeah. I've then got a book deficiency. So, you know, you you really got to think about how you juggle it. And it's it's okay. always based on a random array of cards that come out of the yeah. uh, tech decks, the progress cards, which in Through the Ages, every game you'll see all the cards. So you know what's coming. You know roughly what the chances are of you getting a specific technology. Whereas in Nations, you're very much reacting to what's on offer. It might be yeah. that in one age... There's no progress cards. You've only got leaders, colonies, wars, golden ages and battles or something like that, you know, and there's a complete dearth of technological advancements, in which case you need to then rejig your whole tactic to cater for that. So I really enjoy that as well, because, again, you're responding to the sort of the world at large. And there's so many cards in the game and probably should point out at this point, we were playing with the dynasties expansion mixed in, which yes. gives us um, a lot more progress cards um, way more civilizations with their own special abilities. So we all had yeah. different uh, civs to start out with, with their own specific special abilities. And you get um, the dynasties themselves, so you can go into revolution and change your civilization special ability for an upgraded version of that. But again, yeah, you know that's time and resources to invest in doing that. So there's also with the dynasties expansion, a lot of the cards, not a lot, but a significant portion of them interact with other players. So, for example, Dave found a natural wonder, which devastated everybody else's resources. So we all lost <laughs> like three food or whatever it was in the first round. Yeah, that so, was it, yeah. Yeah, initially in the, in the original game, it's very much a case of, apart from wars, you're all going about doing your own thing. But now mm. with the extra cards mixed in, um, like Jackie's Vikings, for example, every turn she would raid everybody else and choose us choose a resource that we all had to lose, which is an incredibly powerful ability. You know, if you're putting someone into famine by doing that, so there were a lot more cards to sort of mess with each other a little bit, but not so much so that, you know, it, it ticks the game. So it's a very nice expansion to, to mix in, I think. Yeah, I really enjoyed playing it. There was um, everyone's nation seemed to be very strong in one arena to the point when you weren't really worried when someone else did something that was seemed a bit game-breaking <laughs> because you just do something as well that it does it, you know, it'll it wouldn't bring that thing back into your favour, but it would bring something else into your favour. So yeah. I was playing as Egypt, so my special ability was to have an architect on hand 
at any time once per round yeah and i could throw that out a wonder so i essentially got one free um toward, like step towards building and you have you started out with the wonders right you started with the pyramids didn't you I started as well. with the pyramids as well which like three victory points and i think they gave you uh, it took away two extra food um but then they gave you um one influence so that gave me quite a good early advantage so i felt throughout the whole game i didn't have to bother with influence too much um i kind of fell out of favor a few times um i couldn't go into a vault which i didn't care about because i love my free architects and occasionally something would happen involving influence so like the farming cards that can't have events attached to them yeah and a few of those would be the person with the least influence has to lose four gold or something so that didn't mean once or twice i think i should just point out as well just in case that you're saying influence i think it means stability is is the stability yes sorry the the um the scales yes the one with the scales the one that stops you from revolting and and getting hit by wars and stuff yeah that's the one yeah yeah uh so i felt like i could quite happily ignore that through the game yeah not guilty badly about it yeah, there's a there, like you say, well, like we discussed earlier. There's a lot to juggle. So if you if you can sort of buy yourself early on the ability to ignore at least one of those resource tracks, mm. you know, be it food or rocks or whatever else, then you know it stands you in good stead to be able to concentrate on on everything else that's going on. Um, yeah. But yeah, like with each new age, your sieves growing, your, your number of meeples is growing, your resource piles are growing. So it always feels like you're advancing, you know, yeah. inexorably towards this path of. Um, growth throughout time and I just really love the way it does abstract um, the like civilization growth there's no tiles you're not exploring a physical world it's all yeah. based on the card grow the progress cards that come out which is exactly the same as through the ages another you know it, this is literally a diet version of through the ages um, so it's not it's not like civilization on the PC or the civilization board game because it doesn't have that physical exploration of a you know an actual world, but it abstracts enough of that to be yeah. um, the development of your tech tree throughout it's, the the growth of your save, which I just find really compelling. I love tech trees in games. That's it. Yeah, it's, it's a bureaucracy sim more than a yeah, exploration. <laughs> it's a spreadsheet sim. on a board. <laughs> it really is, but <laughs> it, it does it does it really well, and you, you don't, don't actually care that you're not exploring anything or. That you're not moving units directly against another player because the player interaction is so common in the game in terms of buying things from under people or trying to imagine what they're going to do when they counteract it, yeah, or even stealing architects from them beforehand, or like you saying, like, um, trying to put it, bringing a war in as a weak player so that you can't have it used against you later on, yeah. Each move is like a block, isn't it? In some way, you're blocking the next the other players from not taking that golden age or not having that battle or whatever yeah that's right yeah and there was um there's a couple of rounds where i was really sweating it out um it's like i think when the samurais came out i thought people would go jump straight for that and luckily um they didn't so i managed to buy it and bring it in and really push my military might because i was i'd been neglecting it and i think i needed a quick fix um whereas another round when i actually wanted to place a war then you bought the war from away again like i mentioned earlier yeah so it doesn't always work in your favor but at the same time everyone else has got their own agenda to worry about they've got their own strategies that they're trying to accomplish so you always feel quite paranoid with these games that everyone's out to get you. But really, um, it, it's just quite natural. It happens that you end up getting uh, done over instead. <laughs> and there's also, I suppose, again, this could be a criticism level of the game. I, I obviously really enjoy it. But if you don't, like, if, if only one sort of military card comes out in, in a round and one person gets it, 
and then just drives that, they can jump ahead. You know, they can have yeah. like a, a military stranglehold on the board, in which case, you know, between you, you've got to sort of buy up all the walls and stuff. So they can't hurt <laughs> everyone. It, yeah. But if you don't have that mutual mentality, which I think we lacked, um, you know, I was like, this is what we're going to do, guys. We're going to get the walls. But then nobody else was interested in buying those. So when they came, they hit hard yeah. sort of thing. Um, yeah. You can't, I, I don't think you can be that cooperative because you can't just go, um, well, you know, let's all agree to, you know, not hurt each other because somebody at some point is going to, or somebody by omission oh. of action is going to let somebody else. So it, it can, definitely it can tip a little bit, but then usually it sort of balances out in the next round when the next yeah. lot of progress cards come out and the guy who's already using dreadnoughts or whatever, isn't then going to be interested in wasting all the resources to buy, you know, the, the next sort of military thing as well because they're still concentrating on getting their own victory points. Exactly, yeah. They're going to need resources or gold or wheat at some yeah, point. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it works. It works really well. And um, also, there's a really cool mechanic. So, like we mentioned with the wonders, it can take you a little while to build up wonders hiring architects. It's natural wonders, so you just get the architects for free. You basically spend time exploring them and get things. Yeah. They can also colonize. Um, so, occasionally, a little green card will come out and it'll be like, you know, Sri Lanka. And that might give you some food resources or um, some actual resource resources. But in order to take them and to buy it, sorry, you'll need a military strength of 21 or 15. So that's a real um, incentive to build up your military power in order to colonize yeah. um, these places. Some people had one slot, some people had two. Um, so I managed to... Um, Get a colony that gave me food, and because I was the Egyptians, quite hungry to give them anyway with my pyramids. That really sorted out um, my food production woes, so that I could concentrate going back to military again to try and get a few more bits and pieces. But you were constantly playing this balancing act of how am I going to get my military up, how am I going to get my food up? Um, but there is these nice little boons built into the game that will quite difficult to achieve sometimes. But once you've got them. Everything feels, feels like smooth sailing after, after that half a turn until you realise that you've got <laughs> to something else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, I think that's what the events do as well. So every turn, you know that there's a famine coming and you know how much food you're going to have to save up to combat it. But there's yeah. also a benefit, like you were saying, about how whether you're either the strongest in military or strongest in stability or maybe something yeah. else, um, which will give you a benefit or other. So th- there's always... Um, different avenues like you say the game's giving you little gifts yeah. and little ways to combat whatever you're falling behind in you know if, if you pay attention and if you focus and it's and that's, that's it and the opportunity for someone else to break your board but it's done in such a subtle way it's it's really lovely like the uh, we're not mentioning the advisors have we really yeah they're sort of the leaders in this game aren't they yeah. that was it yeah so they come out with historical figures and um, I had a great one um, I believe it was Florence Nightingale, so it was towards the end of the game, and if I played her, um, she'd give me some free books at the end of each round, which was just brilliant. Nice. Um, so I could ease off that a little bit, but earlier um, I had a, another leader who, um, if I had the lowest influence, then he'd be nullified, but he'd, he would give me, um, I believe it was two 
um, to military power each round. Right. So, so that's the only time I was interested in influence. I just wanted to be the second to last in influence as long as possible. Just to keep him alive. <laughs> just to keep him alive until I found a new leader that I preferred. Um, so it's, it's quite cool. Um, really, I just really enjoyed the way that all these different elements all work together and that the way that the round pack doors into your civilization from a place to take advantage of. Yeah. They, um, if they bring out a wonder at the right time, they can take some food away, they can take some gold away. And um, that, can, that can be pretty disastrous, which is just, it just added enough uncertainty to the game to keep you invested. Definitely. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. I, I do really rate Nations. Um, Through the Ages is one of my all-time favourite games. I love Civilization on the PC. I've, I've ashamed to say I've never played the Civilization board game by Fantasy Flight, but I did get the New Dawn version, um, yeah. which we obviously discussed on the, on the podcast. Um, yeah. And I'd love to play the original Civ, but this really ticks a lot of boxes for me. And I will say as well, the, the designer is working on a new version with new solo rules and that but the solo game is actually pretty good it is a beat your score one but um it is a fun game to play to yeah. sort of uh, test your skills and and um get your teeth into it as well but uh, and the artwork let's be honest the artwork isn't great the the graphics aren't the best you've ever seen but it really does the job it, it really does a, yeah. a serviceable job and um there's so much art on all the cards I don't really mind the sort of barely coloured in pencil versions. It's a bit like the old uh, Talisman yeah. game. <laughs> like, you know, it <laughs> yes. feels, the art does feel about 20 years behind, but it, it just works. It just it does what it needs to do, and it offers so much variety in the four ages of progress cards. You're never yeah. going to see that same combination of technologies and stuff, and there's you just yeah. can't rely on uh, one specific type of card coming out. Like, you might play a game where you never see advisors or you never see colonies or whatever so yeah. you're always reacting to a new and changing technological progress route and um i just find that really exciting and really interesting because it's always a fresh experience yeah. and with all the different sieves because there's so many now with the expansions as well and they're all double-sided so you can play you know it, each each sieve has two different um abilities on each side and yeah. you've got the dynasties which change the abilities again there's just yeah. a ton of variety a ton of variation in setup and gameplay um, which just means, for me, it's probably never going to leave my collection anytime soon. No, I can, I can see it'll, why it'll stay there as well. Like you're saying, there's so much replayability in it. And I know for a fact I could play again as a different nation and have a completely different game. Yeah. And like you probably play again as Egypt and have a completely different game because a lot, I was building wonders. I've, I probably maxed out my wonders quite early on, you know, by the, the third age. Um, and if I didn't have that boon, then I probably wouldn't have is bothered about it but by having so many different wonders in the game at one point it can they were bringing in food they were bringing in resources yeah they were helping with influence and with books they were like they, you know it, it was amazing um it'll be interesting to see how like playing as the arabs or as america or as um japan might it might fare differently really yeah and i can just see it being a really enjoyable experience the only downside to the game really was probably the length but we were playing with four players yes um and i noticed that the game practically came to a halt by the third age was it is that the, the age before the industrial age is that the renaissance, renaissance yeah or, yeah and i think because we were also it wasn't any one player slowing the game down it was all of us and i think we've got to the point where when the end game's in sight but we know we need to do so much more. So we're all really thinking, what, what's the best possible moves we can make with all these 
resources and offer with all the progress cards and offer. Yeah, have to milk the best out of every manoeuvre sort of thing. That was it, yeah. But then by the fourth phase, that went by quite quick in comparison. So, so I think, think we were playing for about, was it three and a half hours? It's about an hour per player, yeah, I think that's a yeah. fair assessment. Yeah, so it wasn't um, it wasn't a marathon game by any by any stretch of imagination, but compared to like with other games we've played recently, it's it was a bit of a, a bit of a gear change really. Yeah, yeah, you could play yeah. two sort of big meaty games in the time, which is again uh, kind of ironic because this is supposed to be the diet sort of streamlined version of Through the Ages, <laughs> which gives you an indication of how long that takes to play. But um, it, it is an epic experience, and you are going from you know a couple of farmers to like uh, <laughs> dreadnoughts and <laughs> satellites it, yeah. or whatever. Well, one of the things, one of the complaints that's been levelled against it is that you don't progress past the industrial age, so you don't actually see the space race or anything like that in the game. Yeah. But I don't, I don't feel like it's missing. By the time it does come around to the conclusion and to the final scoring, you you feel like yeah. you've had a big meaty Civ development experience. So oh, I, I don't think it's lacking in that respect. No, I think you, maybe you could have had a different age per round instead of four round, you know, um, two in each era. But I don't think we're missing anything really. Yeah. And there's there's so much detail in the game. There's so much complexity there that you we we were all um, really happy just to keep going. And there was although the length of the game was probably a bit longer than what we had become used to. No one was actually like falling out with it or lost patience. Yeah. No, I think um, everyone was engaged till quite, the end, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and it felt like you could really try and um, steal away a few victory points if you, you know, just thought about it. Um, there's a, and playing it again as well after playing that game, I think it's the second time I've played Nations, um, and immediately I can see how I'd play better the next time round. Yeah. Although saying that, there'll be different cards out of the different nation. <laughs> So if I'll do it better by following a new strategy, it you know, remains to be seen, really. Well, I look forward to the chance to test that because I would, you know, this is another, there's a few games like this where anytime anybody suggests it, I'm happy, you know, to give it a shot. And, and this is one of them yeah. where I just really, really love the game, love the gameplay. Um, and it doesn't feel like, oh, should we try something else now? For me, you know, I could happily play this for the next couple of months solid. Um, and in fact, it's on the table right now. And I will be uh, <laughs> we're halfway through a game with um, with Francesca like teaching her oh, fantastic yeah so um, so yeah uh, and there's there's a way as well to sort of handicap you if you if you have played it more times than the other player you can reduce yes. your uh, ability level so every every the start of every round you get a resource injection of your choice you can choose rocks gold or food yeah and you play the game at a certain level we were all playing at prince so everybody had three resources at the start of every round but if you wanted to, if you you know if you're a more experienced player, you can slide that scale up so that I could be a, a lower or higher level than you. So I could get four resources, whilst you only get one because you played it a hundred times, or vice versa. Yeah. Um, so that's a nice little scaling method as well. You know that keeps um, that keeps you in check basically. You can, yeah. You can't get too far ahead of somebody who isn't perhaps as experienced. That's Although, it, yeah. I should probably well, point out that made no difference because I've been playing it a ton of times I've still got my ass handed to me by you with <laughs> well, it. But that speaks more to my play style, I think, than well, any fault with the, the game. <laughs> well, um, I think Dave wanted to give it a go on the King level and we were all a little bit wary about it and if we'd let him do that on his own... It might have given maybe, it a different taste, yeah. Completely, yeah. Um, so there's, you know, there's like so much variability there that just like another 
another version of it. Yeah, well, but that also, could be a punishment for the winner, couldn't it? You know, he could you, won last time, you have to you have to take it down, to, you know, to the next difficulty level. Yeah, yeah, it's a really um, good idea, and we've all got a friend as well who's almost like a bit of a savant when it comes to data and statistics, <laughs> and sometimes they can just see the bare bones of a game engine, yeah, um, much quicker than everyone else can, and. If you know that going into the game, then, you know, almost like giving a golfer a bit of a better handicap, you can just push them a little further down that tracker and just make it a bit more difficult. And I think that'll probably make the game a lot more enjoyable for everyone concerned because they've got a richer experience and you've got a bit of a, a bit of a helping hand when it comes to each, the start of each round. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It's a nice little, it's a nice little system that I never really actually paid yeah. much attention to. I always just assumed we'd all always play at the same level, but... It would be something I would, I would consider using next time. You know, maybe because there was four of us and we all placed differently and there's four yeah. spots on that tracker, you can all share the same spot or you could all slide off to a different one, you know. And we, it could it. even be in player order. You know, first player goes on the emperor level where they only get one resource around and the weakest player goes on four. Well, we'd probably have to try it and see. You know, it, it might be too punishing, but it does seem like uh, from our limited experience of it, it is a nice little um, yeah. balancing method. Well, it's, it's something there for the experienced players, isn't it, really? Like, yeah. you've played 15 games of Nations, then you're not going to know if it's going to help you or not, and you can just not use it again the next game. Yeah, I mean, um, if you were taking it to games night at the local pub or whatever, and you were the one who's introducing yes. it, you played it, it'd be worth sticking yourself on King or Emperor level where you're getting less and giving everybody else the advantage, you know, which would look like a... That's it. Yeah, a sort of fair sort of balancing technique. Yeah, that'd do a really good job. Um, so there we go. It's uh, nations. It's proof that many cooks might actually make a delicious soup. <laughs> <laughs> Your broth's not going to be spoiled this time around. If you're into Sith building games, you really, really should look up nations. It's uh, I'd, I'd say the pros massively outweigh the cons, in in my opinion, really. Yeah, and, I'd, uh, I'd agree with that. It's it's a it's a great fun game. It's as frustrating as, uh, but in a good way. As most mm. worker placement games, but it has um, there's a lot of game in the box, and it's a big box, um, and it probably doesn't need to be that big a box because <laughs> 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 the components could, would fit in the smaller one. But it does sort of imply that there's a lot of gameplay in there, and there really is. It's um, yeah, and it's the same guys who brought us Eclipse as well, that's a Pelly, so I'm probably just like biased. <laughs> <laughs> you could uh, that would be a really fun um, day, just slug nations and then follow up with Eclipse. Go on. That could be a remedy for there's no space age in the game. <laughs> Just go straight into the galaxy, yeah. <laughs> you know it, you know it. Okay, well, brilliant. Well, there we go. Uh, really solid, fun week playing Ganations, and we'll look forward to next week seeing what we bring out to the table. Uh, thanks very much for joining me, Tristan. That was epic. All, All right, right. thank you, and I'll see you next time. See you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>